All right. Welcome back to the Flashpoint podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am the host. Uh, I am a journalist and, uh, I guess, commentator. You can find my work at eoinhiggins.substack.com, where a lot of the work that I discuss on this podcast comes from. So today we're going to be talking about J.P. Sears, who is a comedian, a comedian of sorts, who has kind of tilted further to the fringe of the far right uh, in over the past year or so. Now, if you're familiar with Sears, like I was, you probably you know got to know who he was around five or six years ago when he used to do these kind of clever uh, videos that were about kind of making you know doing send-ups of spirituality and uh and and that kind of that kind of thing like white spirituality yoga but it's kind of hard to explain exactly what it is but you know he used to he used to kind of make fun of this whole conspiracy what's what's been called the conspirituality uh which we'll get into soon with with antonio who's going to be my second guest so JP uh, has taken a pretty hard right turn in in the recent uh, year or so since COVID, and with that has come a kind of a move uh, to the right on vaccines and on trans rights, especially. And he's been mining this stuff for right wing fame and fortune. Um, Recently, he was at the Spokane Comedy Club, where he made uh, some pretty questionable comments about trans people. I'm going to play one of these, which is about 30 seconds long. Um, it's it's pretty pretty disturbing in in the way that it calls for for violence. Uh, but the kind of the context of this is that he's talking about the potential for civil war and and for violence. Um, and he's talking about, like, what side people should be on. So I'm going to play that clip here. It's, it's about 30 seconds. It's your life. Do what you want. Make your side. One side has actual military training. Another side has woke military training. Look at that very diverse looking group of them verse that I'm about to easily kill. Too easy. All right. So so that's probably the most offending moment from from the segment from, from, you know, so he did nine nights here between November 26th and 28th. Um, And, and those comments were uh, probably the worst that he made Uh, earlier in, in the night he made, you know, he, he, he went off on a rant about trans people and, and he just kind of, you know, did made these attacks on the left. And like I said before, you know, five or six years ago, when he was doing this stuff to kind of send up the excesses of this kind of white spirituality culture. Um, I I think, yeah. 
I, I, I present that I, I write it as those videos which presented Sears as an overly earnest version of a stereotypically clueless New Ager were clever, but he has since uh, moved to the far right. Now, uh, his website sells merchandise that caters to far-right memes, and his videos have gone full tilt on anti-vast conspiracy theories and transphobic hate. Some of the far-right memes that he's using um, are, one, one of them that I know is Rudolph the Red Pill Reindeer, which if you're familiar with, like, Red Pill culture is this really extreme misogynistic far-right movement. So, you know, that that kind of... That's the kind of thing where you could kind of look at it. If you didn't know what it was, you, you might not think that it was such a big deal. But it, once you do understand what it is, the uh, the signal that that he's sending is is pretty clear. So I talked to Brian Quimby, co-host of Street Fight podcast. He can't be here with us today, but I just want to quote what he said, which is, I always thought Sears was a crunchy guy, and it makes sense he would do a right turn when the anti-vax really, stuff really took off. There's something about Facebook comedy that makes people have the same right-wing politics. And by the same right-wing politics, he means that their audience, so, you know, their audience are, is conservative. And then uh, Quimby says, quote, they have to chase that audience so they become transphobic or they start denying that racism exists. It's a really straight, strange ecosystem. I also spoke to a Washington State comic uh, on condition of anonymity. He thinks that Sears is doing this uh, for money. I'm not sure about that. I guess we'll see. Uh, so I am now joined by Alexis Galloway uh, Tonisket, who was at the comedy club. She was working there at the time. Um, and so for those of you who are uh, listening to this live or watching it after the fact on the Colin app, um, I'm talking to Alexis through Google Meet. So you're just going to see my icon uh making noise there, but, but there are obviously two people and I'll remind you guys again. So Alexis, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, you know, we first became aware of each other, I guess, through the majority report when you called in to kind of describe, uh, what you were hearing from Sears at the club and I was wondering if you could just go ahead and and kind of just kind of retell that a little bit in your own words. Sure. So um, I had been working at the club for three years, so I had heard um, all kinds of styles of comedy, all kinds of uh, material that was, you know, things that you wouldn't hear outside of a comedy club uh so blatantly, you know, racism, misogyny, it's all it's pretty common in comedy. But um that weekend really impacted me a lot deeper than i thought it could and um it honestly terrified me um it was well, it felt different than the rest of the comedy shows that i've seen i've seen hundreds over years um the the things that he was saying, and I didn't, not all of it has been recorded. There are some things that he said that are, that haven't been shared yet, um, that I could, I could quote later if that's something that people would be interested in. But anyway, um, he was basically the way I 
heard it, he was, he has already by this point positioned himself as a wellness coach. So he's positioned himself as someone who is giving advice to people and who people take his, they take his advice and they use it and they implement it in their lives. So when he's talking about um, embracing gun culture and then taking it to the next level of using weapons against trans people, he's talking about executing people for being different from them. That's not, that's not comedy. Um, that is. Yeah. Can you, um, when we, when we spoke for the story, you know, you talked about how, how you kind of differentiate, you know, what, what you heard from him and kind of even more like offensive comedy. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yes. So the difference in my perspective is that jokes are something that can be easily discounted. Like I've heard tons, I've heard hours of jokes <laughs> that were, you know, offensive to me on some level, but I could discount them and just forget about them because they weren't real. It wasn't based on real actions with real consequences. This was different because he's talking about real actions that have real consequences that impact real people's lives. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, go ahead. Um, it's okay. Some of the staff members working for those shows are part of the groups that he is openly talking about executing. And then the audience response was also different. Um, the way people showed up was different. People had all kinds of political gear on. So there were lots of Trump, um, you know, Trump shirts and hats and flags and all of that kind of thing. Um, they were more hostile to the staff. Um, they, the, the way that the laughter was even was different. So it wasn't fully just people laughing at jokes. A lot of the laughter seemed like it came out of a place of like astonishment at hearing what they, what they wanted to be said and yeah. astonishment that it was being taken to this extreme level. So it was like, it was more like awe and like, um, yeah, it, it was well, let's, let's feeling. Let's let's talk about. I, I think there's you know there, there, there's one point that I'd like to really kind of get into a little bit, which is, you know, it's one thing I think to to say this kind of stuff, uh, you know, out loud, and then it's another thing to kind of do it in a way which you kind of described as instruction, and so what you know you mentioned that that he kind of made like he was using a gun at one point you know which which i think kind of like takes it to to a different level um you know how how do you how do you kind of differentiate what he because you called it instruction when we were talking so how do you kind of differentiate the um 
the level of permission that you're seeing him give people with just maybe just saying something super outrageous and, and controversial? So there's a few aspects to that. Um, and uh, that part where he, with the, the gun, he pretends to pick up a gun off of the stage, pretends to aim it at a trans person and makes the sound of shooting and the audience cheers. It was uh, extremely terrifying. And I actually had a really strong um, like physiological response after that weekend. I was sick for a few days. Um, but uh, the differences that I see are, like I said, he has positioned himself as someone who is giving advice to people already. So people take him seriously as a giver of advice. They look to him for, um, like as a leader, for leadership to, to um, kind of replicate his pathway that he's taking. And uh, in the Q&A sections, it really showed um, his motives because then he wasn't, he was really, he really let go of the comedy. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so let's get to the question and answer period in a second here, but, but I, um, I was just hoping that you could explain a little bit more about the kind of mob mentality that you saw from the crowd. Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit that they were wearing some, you know, some, some gear that made it kind of seem like uh, more of a political rally. Um, you described it to me um, at one point that that uh, when we were talking earlier as a mob, could you kind of uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what you were seeing in that crowd and what you were seeing with, with the way that they were kind of presenting themselves? Yeah, so. Um, the way that they were treating employees was very rude and inconsiderate, um, you know, beyond normal customer service interactions. Um, the staff and I, a few of us talked about how we felt completely powerless to do portions of our job. So some portions of our job are asking people to quiet their speaking volume while a live show is going on. So they're not disrupting others in the room who are trying to watch the show. Um, asking people to just go through different processes of like checking in and getting to their seats. Um, and we talked about how we definitely did not feel safe, even just asking people to put a mask on. Um, one of my coworkers described this group as a mob and, um, you know, we just expressed in that moment that we did not feel safe doing our jobs really it was a really volatile kind of energy that could easily turn into something a lot a lot scarier at really really quickly yeah we um you know b before we talk about the uh the instructions that he gave and even before we even start talking about maybe more of um more of the content of of his show, uh, maybe maybe it'd be good to kind of pull back a second, and and you can uh, 
tell people a little bit about yourself and kind of where where you're coming from, both, you know, as far as this job goes and just your general, um, you know, position on your like your ideological view of comedy and politics. Um, who, who is on this call? Well, this is this is like a uh, a live podcast. So you don't, yeah. I mean, you don't have to like go into like super like personal detail. I'm just trying to give people like a sense of your uh, your general like ideas around politics and in comedy. Okay, so um, a lot of my worldview comes from the indigenous perspective and culture. Um, humor is part of our culture. That's how we've survived for so long <laughs> uh, because we can you know keep ourselves energetically light that way and like. Um, face really abrasive situations and problems with kind of a, a light heart and um I've always been taught that comedy is you know humor is a it's like a, a medicine and it's a form of dealing with difficult situations and expressing different perspectives and um to see it to see that space the, the whole reason that i even got interested in working at a comedy club in the first place is because i am a creative thinker and i love creativity i love art all kinds of art um i consider comedy to be an art a very important art um i think it's necessary for having like a cohesive uh society or community and processing emotions and stuff like that um i experienced a lot of grief because i view comedy clubs as this creative space it's like a laboratory of ideas and expressions and it's a place for people to express themselves and um to like speak truth to power is a really important part of that um Yeah, and to see that that space that's meant for creativity and and human expression, to see it appropriated and used for alternative motives was just devastating, and it caused me a lot of grief. Yeah, and, and, absolutely, and, and and you know, I just wanted to let you kind of explain that level of perspective there, um, just so just so that the you know people who are listening can understand where you're coming from on that. So um, let's get back to, to Sears. Uh, you know, after his set, so he did nine sets over these, over these three days and after his set. Um, and I think, I think you said this happened every time he would, he would do a Q and a with the audience in which he would kind of promote all of his different projects. So what, what, what was that like exactly? So the Q&As were, there was a Q&A after the first show, and then in between the second and third shows, we would have a Q&A that was combined for the second and third audiences. Um, the Q&As, well, first of all, they charge uh, quite, a, quite a bit for the tickets, so that's a way of filtering voices out that they wouldn't want to be in that room. <laughs> <laughs> and um 
the Q and A's, they had a feeling that I have not really seen much in the in a comedy club before and i really don't think is appropriate to be there the atmosphere it was it felt like church it was uh really grotesque to see that kind of atmosphere being created in a comedy club um he definitely did a lot of preaching he talked about how he oh he his savior messiah complex was on full blast <laughs> in those portions um he also was promoting his other projects. So one of which he said is a an alternative social media platform. I'm sure you already know about it. And um, the other was purchasing land in Texas to create a quote unquote sovereign nation, which is a term that he appropriated from my culture. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So, so let's, um, let's, let's, let's talk, let's, let's talk a little bit more about that in a second, but, um, I just want to, I just want to say just two things just for the audience here. So his, his, um, social media network is called Zion. Um, and I know that he was involved with, um, the social media network parlor a little over a year ago, probably like 13 months or so ago. Um, which is kind of this far right uh, version of uh, Twitter. I mean, I don't even really know if Parler's still around. But anyway, Zion is like his thing that he's trying to raise money for. Um, I had not heard about the um, the land in Texas, although that does remind me of Owen Benjamin, who is another comic who we talked about earlier this week on, on episode one, where, you know, we were talking about Owen Benjamin and his flat earth theory and kind of his, his kind of far right beliefs that he's gotten into. So it's interesting that now uh, we're seeing, we're seeing JP Sears is now going to buy some land in Texas. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. Um, I certainly, I certainly believe that that's the kind of thing. It, can you, um, maybe talk a little bit more about the other stuff that he was uh, discussing, but also I'm kind of interested in, you, you said that he was preaching like he had a Messiah complex. Um, you know, what kind of stuff was he saying? Oh my gosh. I have gotten rid of a lot of that from my mind because it's just so gross yeah. and just a waste of space. But uh he would say like, oh, someone asked me the other day, JP, are you changing the world? Are you saving everyone? And he basically answered his own, his own self and said, yes, I am. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah, he just, he, he puts himself on this large platform and positions himself as a leader and positions himself as a person to give advice. And these people are very loyal to him too. Um, one of, one of his, uh, uh, customers, I guess you could call them. They, they, uh, threatened one of my coworkers with some kind of vague legal thing. And he was like, I'm a lawyer. Um, what, uh, what was the context? 
so basically he was getting an answer that he didn't like and um the person was not going to let him do what he wanted because it would have disrupted the the um our workplace and uh he started like standing over her with his posture standing up taller and uh stepped in closer and he was like well i'm a powerful lawyer so and i stepped in and i just said well sir i'm just going to point out that she's not the owner of this club and then she was able to go and get the proper uh contact information for him to file complaints in a in a proper way but um yeah then after after that he went in on me so it's just this he he told me that he was going to tell on us to jp sears <laughs> about how we were treating his uh his fans and i just said well i don't care what jp sears thinks sir we have hundreds of comedians who come through here and he was like well you just don't care what anyone thinks do you right so so you said um when when we were talking uh that uh, that Sears, um, so the capacity of the club is 320 and that he, he, he sold it out nine times, obviously didn't fill it up, but, um, I mean, because not everybody's always going to show up, but around, yeah, like an estimate of around like 2,700 people showed up, uh, to listen and, and to talk to him. And so An Antonio's joined the call. So, uh, we're going to talk to him in a few, in a few minutes here about JP's background, but. Just to kind of wrap up, uh, just to go back a little bit to the Q&A period and him talking about uh, all of his different, you know, scams or whatever that he's trying to raise money from. You know, what what was the, uh, I mean, like you said that they were pretty loyal. Would you say that everybody was pretty loyal or or that it was, I mean, like everyone was really on board? Um, do you think that that he, you know, made a lot more money from this than than just the uh just the tickets uh do you think that he maybe got some new followers i mean what do you think happened here yeah he definitely made funny or money beyond just the tickets uh he did not make funny <laughs> right right um <laughs> he definitely there were people handing him uh he has this thing with white envelopes i guess he tells a story that's supposed to be inspiring about this man who uh, gave him money and um, I it doesn't even sound like a real story to me it sounds like something trying to uh, goad people into doing his will but people definitely handed him money in those portions and they were definitely aware and supportive of his ulter ulterior uh, projects great all right so um, now I'm going to ship I'm going to talk to uh, Antonio, I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and say your last name because I'm afraid I'm going to. I'm going to mangle it, Antonio. So um, I'm going to unmute you here just so you can kind of introduce yourself, and and then we'll we'll start chatting. Just uh, there you go. Should be good. Can you guys hear me? There we go. Perfect. Yep. Go ahead. Right. Hey. So. Uh... Yeah, so you want me to tell you um, our background, our shared background? Yeah, yeah. So you said that you knew JP in high school, and, and it seems like you've kind of kept tabs on him so, since then. So, yeah. 
Yeah, well, not high school, but um, so I became a personal trainer in the 90s. And when you become a personal trainer, there's a few different organizations you get certified from, right? So there's like, in the 90s, there was, you know, maybe five or six or seven organizations like, you know, uh, ACSM, NASM, NSCA. These are standard uh, groups that you get certified in. There was a couple what you would consider alternative groups, and the Czech Institute was one of them. So the Czech Institute started off as corrective exercise and high-performance kinesiology. And then the founder got deeper into spiritual stuff. So the people, typically the people that went to the Czech Institute were personal trainers that were really into New Age spiritualism. And you, you know, you go through different courses, different certifications. A big part of it is healing and embodiment. So when I was there, you know, I had a good experience overall. But over time, I got skeptical and, you know, reject some of these ideas. And then eventually I distanced myself from the organization. But JP was there. So I'm pretty sure he was there while he was in high school or immediately following high school. And <clears throat> he was deep. He was like Paul Check's assistant. And so what that means is, you know, it's deep, like an apprenticeship. And he spent years doing this healing and embodiment work. Um, so and this is my opinion is, you know, he didn't go to college. He instead spent a, a great deal of time, his formative years, you know, being a disciple of Paul Check. So what that means is you, you, you learn all sorts of, you know, like false history, you know, new age and self-help, you learn all sorts of, you know, like oversimplified, cherry-picked versions of history. And all it is is, you know, confirms your your spiritual new age bias or whatever. So that's one thing is that he is, you know, in a very general sense, he's profoundly ignorant, doesn't know anything about politics or history. So eventually I distanced myself, but he stayed deep in the Czech Institute. Then when he first became an influencer, he was doing his like wellness new age stick, like he was mocking the fringe new agers. Um, that was like his first major thing. Like he made a few funny videos, but all those new age, the fringe new age spiritual people he was mocking, that's a marketing tactic. Like he was essentially messaging to people, hey, I'm not a fringe weirdo, I'm actually authentic and legit because this is what he did he was a czech practitioner a holistic health and healer as a coach like he called himself an emotional healing coach we we did all the same training all the same programs read all the same books so he was portraying himself as not fringe uh, which is a marketing tactic because then it it makes you seem like you're authentic right so he did that for a while before he became political so one of the things i think it's you know my opinion is um the w one reason why it's very easy for him or a lot of these new age spiritual people in the last year why they got radicalized into right-wing extremism is because when you learn new age spiritual ideas and self-help there's a lot of social darwinism in there it's like spiritualized social darwinism and also it's like just world theory or karma it's, you know, like you blame people for their shortcomings. If you know, if you're poor, you're sick, you're obese, you're disabled. It's a lot of victim blaming in, in new age spirituality and self-help. Cool. So um, just just before we continue, can you just give me the, the, the timeline? So you would have, if you met JP in the 
late 90s, I mean, he would have been just out of high school, right? Yeah, so I think he started at the Czech Institute. This is speculation. I think he started in his last year of high school. He may have dropped out of high school. I don't really remember, but I'm pretty sure it was either his last year of high school or immediately following, and he spent many years, more than me. So we were friends or buds at the time, and we still have a lot of mutual friends. I distanced myself from the Czech Institute a while ago, but we still have some mutual friends and um, he was there for a long time, and it's a lot of deep healing embodiment work, which is, you know, supposedly an alternative to contemporary, you know, talk therapy. So the thing is, is that after all the time spent doing that work, that healing work, so-called healing work, as he ended up a right-wing propagandist, I think that mostly speaks to the ideas that are embedded in new age healing and embodiment work there's a lot of social darwinism so it's easy to to get influenced by right-wing propaganda because it's all victim blaming and yada 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 right so he he did that for a long time i distanced myself um you know only a few people really distance themselves from the czech institute so paul czech doesn't teach anything overtly racist or or political and since trump got elected he made a quite a few social media posts that demonstrates he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's really embarrassing the things he says. So. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about, about Paul Czech's background? So Paul Czech is, you know, he was like a, 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 like a trainer and he was a boxing coach in the army. And then he, uh, he was also a massage therapist. So he started in the nineties, he started his own Institute and it was a legit, a very influential, you know, personal training, Institute, right? Like you get various levels of certification. This is a common thing in fitness. So he was he was very influential. Um, he combined like you know physical therapy and and performance training. And this is a thing. Like it's, it's somewhat of a, a, a niche or a genre within fitness industry. But then he started getting really deep into spirituality and ayahuasca journeys and tripping and one of the things that people don't realize is when you do a lot of that it a lot of it really enables narcissism like you do some journey or some healing and you're like oh wow i understand the world now and everything is a reflection of myself so when you see bad things happen or political things or social issues like oh well that's their own fault it's a reflection of their own unexamined self or their unexamined shadow so you learn a lot of this stuff and all of the new age and, and all these so-called you know, modern shaman white dudes that portray themselves as shamans. So Paul Cech had, without a doubt, was influential, had some really good work. And then he got really into the, the, the you know, spiritual healing stuff. And he started call, then he started claiming he was in he had Native American background and he calls himself a shaman and a healer. And this is really common. It's not unique to Paul Cech. So a lot of Czech disciples or what we would call Czech practitioners, including JP and a lot of his friends, they all call themselves shamans or modern day shamans. They call themselves master healers and master coaches. It's all narcissism and capitalism. Like they charge a lot of money, but call themselves shamans. So that, so the Czech industry continued in that direction over the years. And yeah, I just, I, it's, it, sorry to interrupt, but I just, I just want to, you know, make one comment here, which is that, 
know, I think I think it's interesting that there is this sort of like right wing libertarian aspect to the new age that I think that you get at there a little bit where it, it kind of gets into that narcissism a little bit too, where, you know, people, if, how do you put it? Like seeing, like seeing the world as like a reflection of yourself means that everything that's happening is just a reflection of yourself. And I think that it's interesting that that, I mean, I think that's a good way to put it because that is, that is the whole mentality that is behind this specific kind of right-wing new age tilt that we're seeing. Yeah, and it's actually historical. Like if you look at the the origins of alternative medicine in the United States, like the early 19th century, it was like it all was born from Jacksonian democracy. And the first, like some of it is European, but it came here and got Christianized. But the American version of alternative medicine is a very unique, uh, uniquely American school of like healing or natural healing or whatever. And it was when you, if you're really interested and you do the research, you get deep into it and you can see how fraudulent and complete bullshit it was. So the first school of American healing, like there was some folk medicine and, you know, stuff that goes back to the colonial days. But the really the first system of alternative medicine was Thompsonian medicine, it was a botanical medical system. And it was a dude who claimed to have discovered a, a magical formula of herbal medicine. And he created a system of natural healing using herbs, natural medicines. And what he did was he created a system. He just made it up. But it was really it was also a system that he patented so he could sell it. So you could say it was the first multi-level marketing system and natural healing system in America. And it was a direct expression of Jacksonian democracy. So the only people at that time that had the ability to do something like this was because of Jacksonian America was white men. It was the era of the common man. It was really the era of the common white man because women, you know, uh, indigenous people and black, free black folks, they didn't have any of these rights. So the first school of natural healing and alternative medicine at the time was Thompsonian or botanical medicine. He created a system, he patented it, and a lot of people don't understand that when people get results from healing, it's mostly a regression to the mean. Like most people will get better despite whatever system or method they use. But a big part of this alternative medicine, the origins of alternative medicine in America, was that medicine at the time you know, doctors were still doing bloodletting and it was brutal and they had harsh drugs and there was a lot of blood and a lot of death. And, you know, doctors were also, you know, over time becoming more corporatized. So this alternative medicine was an alternative to what was terrible. So that's sort of its appeal is, oh, here's some terrible things. Doctors do terrible things. We're an alternative system that's more, you know, empathetic and more kind. But the system he used, the, 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 the herbal medicine, was still basically bloodletting. It was the same kind of purging system. So it was basically a bunch of bullshit, and it was a political movement. And the dude the, the, who founded it, um, Samuel Thompson, he was also in the anti-Masonic party. And most of this was economic opportunism. Like, he created a system, he could make some money, 
And that's a big part of the history of alternative medicine in the United States. So the idea also, like if you know Jacksonian America at the time, it was you know, a very big component of it was anti-establishment or anti-intellectualism. Like they were, the whole thing was like, oh, we don't need to be, we don't need to go to school because they're elite and we're against elite institutions. Every man can be his own physician. So this is the origin of this whole contrarian so-called libertarian identity, right? The contrarian, like, and that's, go on. Right. And so, and, and, and so let's, let's, let, let's bring this, let's bring this back up to, to JP and to Paul Check. So, so you know, I, I thought I, I wanted to dig in a little bit more uh, to what you said when, when you were saying that when JP kind of came on the scene, cause I talked about this earlier, um, you know, what, when I first experienced him, he was doing these send ups of, of this kind of spirituality and this kind of like new age, uh, you know, culture or whatever. And, and I thought it was pretty clever. I thought it was pretty funny, but, but, but you seem to think, and, and, and I think that you're making a good case for it, that this is a little more insidious that he's doing this for a specific reason. Well, that was marketing. So portraying himself, like he did some funny videos, but he was, the whole thing was, you know, the, his main thing back then was saying, oh, look at these new age weirdos. So that's all marketing because that port portraying other people as fringe weirdos makes you seem as an authority because he was doing healing work and healing and embodiment or emotional uh, coaching work at that time still. So he made videos, um, but he was, those ideas, it's easy to make fun of the fringe people, but he was still doing the check work, the healing coaching work of the, at that time. And then, you know, at some point he went to Costa Rica and made a video of his healing retreat in Costa Rica. And all he did was talk shit about local Costa Ricans. So he got blasted on social media for that. All the local Ticos and the, the, the Costa Rican media was, you know, you know, put him on, on, on main blast was like, why would you come to our country and then mock all the local people? So, the contempt for the other and the contrarian attitude, all of these things are embedded in alternative medicine, alternative health. So he, although he was making funny videos, he was still doing that same work at that time. And he didn't get radicalized until a little bit later. And then mostly got radicalized in 2020. But when, when he yeah, let's, himself let's, as, as, as being different than those, he was still doing the check healing therapeutic work. You know, people need to know that. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about his radicalization and talk about um, also Paul Cech's, uh, uh role in that. As as I know in the article, um, and 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 Sears says this himself. It you know it was at the moment that he, uh, like COVID, he he describes COVID as what radicalized him. That basically, you know, he he saw the lack of freedom. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he tells Spokane, uh, Spokesman Review right before uh, these, these shows that he did last month. I started realizing our freedoms were being taken away. Things are not happening to protect people's health. Now he's posting all of this stuff that is, like, hyper anti-vax. He's, he's uh, you know, making these transphobic comments like, like I wrote about, like we already talked about. And, and uh, you know, kind of more and more extreme fringe right beliefs and and behaviors and so yeah can you talk a little bit about that and talk about paul check's role in that kind of radicalization so i think the main 
the most important thing that um, I would like to get across is that, like, first of all, Paul Czech is not unique. All of these ideas, these spiritualized social Darwinism or the just world theory or karma, these are all, all of it is the, the, the foundation of self-help and new age spiritualism. Like, yeah, you can, you know, do a little you know, spiritual stuff and that's fine. But a great deal of the literature and the teachers all teach the same stuff about the uh, other people and the world and society. So you can very much go through any of these check programs or these other new age uh, healer programs. You learn the same fundamental ideas about other people who are unhealthy or how the world is broken. You know, everything is, you know, is all bullshit and everything is a reflection of your own unexamined self. So you do all this healing work because you really believe you're healing the world by, you know, fetishizing personal responsibility. You're also believing or learning that you're fixing the world by fixing yourself first. So it, it's all what we call spiritual bypassing. Like it deflects from, you know, cultural political issues and just hyper focuses on the self. So there's nothing like Paul check didn't teach anything explicitly racist or political he's not that politically or historically aware but he also like calls himself he claims to have native back like he's you know got cherokee in his blood or some bullshit so the whole thing of the the the, the popularity of of white dudes portraying themselves as shamans that really started getting popular in the 90s as well so you can easily go through all of this stuff and come out and right-wing propaganda is appealing because it's like strongman shit. Like, oh, well, I'll protect you from all this bullshit. And you learned a lot of like, like I said, like social Darwinism ideas, but they're spiritualized. So he most likely, you know, I, we were buds at some point, I think in like 2016, he posted this um, one post was like, oh, don't be politically correct. It's, it's whack or whatever, something he said about PC culture. And I was, I was, I shared that. I was like, yo, dude, like, this is what right-wingers are using as propaganda. They're mocking political culture, uh, uh, PC culture. And they're, they're doing that as a sort of like a dog whistle. And he came on my post and he was like, oh, I love you. Like, that's like the spiritual bullshit. Like, you deflect from everything with this, like, love and all this, like, flowery spiritual language. It's all yeah. bullshit. I, but then... I, I, I've certainly had... Um some similar conversations like that uh, with people, especially over the last couple of years where, where, where it is the same. I mean, it does seem like it kind of follows a script for sure. I, you know, I also want to say just to uh, anybody in the room, if you want to join the conversation, uh, just, you know, get in, get in the queue and, uh, and we'll get you in. If, if, if not, that's totally fine. But so we'll just keep on talking here though. Um, so let me just yeah, say, yeah. like, so I think it's very easy for not just the Czech practitioners who have demonstrated their, you know, their politics the last few years, either they're, they're overly anti-vax or they're just like dead silent or quiet. But a lot of the ideas, I think the most important thing is Paul Czech doesn't have to be overly political because the ideas are baked into new age spiritualism and self-help so that when 2016 comes around, and especially 2020, it's very easy to get radicalized because you already believe these underlying themes of social Darwinism. But then, um, 
you know, one thing that happened in 2020 was like the fitness and wellness industry went bananas. You know, they, it was like some fringe beliefs here and there, but then 2020, they all got radicalized. It's because they're afraid, both, two things. They're afraid of, you know, like a disease, a virus. They also don't believe in it because it freaks them out. But spiritually, they don't believe it's real, or they believe that if you're healthy, you will not get infected by anything. And so it's just, it's a overstated health benefits of wellness. Like, oh, if I get sunshine and I do... I work out and I eat organic food, then I won't get sick. And that's baked into all of uh, wellness uh, ideology. But in 2020, um, you know, he started going bananas and he, and he partnered up with um, Tim Kennedy, who's profoundly ignorant. And Tim Kennedy fetishizes, his entire social media is fetishizing violence, right? So you learn some of these ideas in check, but nothing overt. And it's, it's, it's very easy. Paul check made some posts about Trump in 2017 ish or something. And it was just embarrassing pop psychology. Oh, well, Trump is a reflection of our unexamined self. So you should blame yourself. If Trump is, if you think Trump is that just bullshit stuff, but it's not, again, it's not unique to him. It's, it's fairly common. All the dudes in the secret, that movie, the secret, like they all teach the same thing. You also learn sales and marketing as a spiritual endeavor in New Age spiritualism and self-help. All the self-help gurus that are in the secret all teach spiritual sales and marketing. And so does Paul Check. So that's a part of it. So that you learn that, oh, if I sell people, if I do sales and marketing, it's spiritual. It's for their benefit. So that's also a part of fitness culture is you learn branding and marketing as sort of a, a, a benef like a beneficial um, uh, altruistic endeavor, but yeah, it's like it's like a, a benevolent uh, multi-level marketing. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. like they don't wake up thinking, "Oh, I'm going to screw these people over." They wake up thinking, "Oh, I can help these people because the world is so broken; they need my spiritual mission." But also, like, also, uh, you know, what's important right. is that at some point. He became friends with Mickey Willis, who produced Plandemic, and a lot of these guys are influenced by Paul Check because he's like a spiritual guy, but also got a tough guy background, which is just you know branding bullshit. But he, uh, Plandemic, was Mickey Willis, who's very much influenced and inspired by Check, and that was a the the Plandemic the viral video was a John Birch Society piece. There was a bunch of John Birch propaganda in there, explicit from John Birch Society. And then after that came out, like, I don't know, the end of 2020 or earlier this year, he started working with the John Birch Society uh, proper, the group. So people don't know. Like, there's like 50 or 100 articles debunking. Wait, so, so sorry, Jay, no, so, is working um, with John Birch now? So Mickey uh, Willis started working with the John Birch Society, and they're all, t they're all partnered up. They all, they did a, a MAGA prayer group. On the, the, the last election, JP, Mickey, and a few other influencers, they literally got together and had a prayer to Trump that Trump would win the election, like a lit, a real prayer. Like, that's how, like, deranged this shit is. Like, they had a, 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 a MAGA prayer meetup, and they prayed so that their energy would sort of support Trump getting elected. Like, they literally made a prayer. That shit is bizarre. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's 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 interesting how like there's this intersection of all of these different 
uh, things going on, right? Like, so there's like the new age, like there's this new age spirituality that, that, that you've talked about that goes back way far, right? There's uh, American conservatism and libertarianism, which kind of, it sounds like, you know, from what you're saying, it's kind of always been at least somewhat tied to it. There's pretty uh, much, yeah. There's there's this multi-level marketing scheme aspect to it. There's the MAGA aspect. There's, and I think as well, and and, and I just want to say this that, you know, you're talking about um, how how a lot of how a lot of these people like their resistance to believing that COVID is even real and their anger about it comes from their uh, idea that you know. Like they're healthy, so why, why would they possibly? It, it's it's like an affront to their entire belief system. It is um, exactly. Yeah, it is. And yeah. also, you learn. So if you look look at all the wellness people, the wellness and the fitness industry, the diet culture industry, like they've had nothing to say, um, except for the ones that got radicalized. So the reason people don't have anything to say is because when you learn about health and wellness, you learn contempt for other people like other are you obese are you getting COVID? oh it's your own fault it's 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 essentially a modern form of eugenics where people who get sick or fat or poor or disabled like it's their own fault you learn all of this in wellness culture whether it's fringe or mainstream stuff and you look at what's happened in the last few years wellness industry fitness industry didn't say a thing now it's only the radicalized people that are loud and obnoxious and that's because when you learn about being healthy you become like, oh, I'm taking responsibility for my health means other people did not take responsibility. So you learn contempt for the unhealthy other. It's baked into all of this stuff. And it's demonstrated the last few years by these these industries not saying a thing. So it's in yeah. there. So, it's in the teachings. Yeah. You know, well, one of the people who I talked to uh, for my story, a uh, uh, person who didn't want to be named, so I'm, I'm not going to uh, do any identifying information at all about them, but they, they, uh, they kind of opine that Sears is doing this not because of any, you know, deep, uh, because we were talking specifically here about like these, like this transphobia, like this like hardcore transphobic stuff that he's saying. One side is actual military training. The other side has quote, woke, close quote, military training is that very diverse group looking group of them bears that I'm about to easily kill, which is, you know, kind of the most offending line here. Um, and what, what this, what this person told me is that in their opinion, um, Sears isn't even doing this because he believes in it at all. He's, he's just saying this kind of stuff and doing the kind of red pill far right stuff, uh, just to make money. It sounds like you would disagree with that. And I'm just wondering what, you know, what, what your take is on that and, and where you kind of see the line there. I think it's a combination of both. Like, it's not that he, he he's probably never in his life known, or at least not obviously known, any gay or transgender person, number one. So these are new ideas for a lot of these right-wingers, number one, and it's just simply a way to shit on people or to, 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 to you know, to be sadist or to be mean to others. A lot of reactionaries like i grew up with a right-wing extremist family like it's very common to be like sadistic or abusive or bullying so i think that is a combination of both he doesn't have a deep knowledge of any of this stuff he learned all of these ideas just in the last couple years so it's definitely part of a 
I would say partly grift, like opportunism, because you can make a lot of money. All those supplements he sells, like every time he puts out a video or a, a, a social media post, he has an affiliate link. Dude, all those all those supplement, most of those supplement companies are all owned by weirdo right wingers. Like the one magnesium pill that he promotes, that company is owned by like this extremely bizarre bodybuilder right wing dude. If you looked at his Facebook post, you would be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? So it's definitely partial grift, but also fear. You know, he has fear that he's learning. These guys, all their propaganda is fear mongering, right? So he, in 2020, he's posting all these photos of how lovely his, his, his life is. He has parties with all his friends, all his healers and shaman friends. And he's boasting, like all influencers do, about how good their life is. But then the next day, he's like, oh, my God, there's a communist takeover. So I think it's a little bit of both. And they're very easy to indoctrinate someone. And, and and also the grift is very appealing. It's always been appealing. It goes back to uh, the 19th century. Um, you know, um, um, you look at the history of, of, of wellness is mostly uh, from the 19th century. Look at P.T. Barnum or look at the, the history of, of wellness uh, alternative medicine. The grift is built in. Um, yeah. opportunism is built in. So I think it's a combination of both. But yeah, every post he makes, he's you know selling a product or he just did a freedom sale the other day. So I don't think he has any, and probably the majority of his friends, do not have any like solid understanding of these cultural issues. It's just... Yeah, so it's, 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 it's not like it's coming from like a core belief. It's no, just coming I agree. from... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's All superficial, right. yeah. yeah. Well, well, Antonio and Alexis, thank you both very much for talking and, and and thanks everybody in the room uh for hanging out and listening um antonio do you uh do you want to tell people where to find you yeah you can find me i'm on all social media as urban antonio um i wrote an article on the the john birch society and pandemic on my blog it's urbanantonio.com uh, my Twitter is Urban Antonio. My Facebook is fun. If you're, you know, it's all my fitness industry friends. We make fun of fitness and wellness people all the time. See you. Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot. And um, I'm going to sign off here in a second. But for you know, for anybody uh, who's listening who wants to, uh, you know, get more detail on the article here, it is at my newsletter, which is owenhiggins.substack.com. E O I N H-I-G-G-I-N-S.substack.com. You can see that in the show description here uh, on the app. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you, man.